If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let me ask you a question real quick. Do you ever want to live in a fantasy world where the most handsomest guy always ends up with a girl and he may at time travel to bend a secret prince, but no one in the story ever asks any questions. You can live on Park Ave with a salary from Mickey D's or walk from Denver all the way to New Orleans. But me, I prefer all the reality and the truth bombs drop from the crew at RTP. RTP, you, you got what we need. Cause these movies are a chore, but you keep us wanting more. RTP, you, you got what we need. Cause roasting is your technique. I'm gonna tune in every week. Hey, hey. Laters, baby. But not too much laters. Because you got what I need. Thank you for tuning in to Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, I made us watch Friends, Friends with, with Benefits. Yeah. So this was the first time I had seen this movie. Was it the first time you guys had seen it? I thought I had seen this movie. No, well, you saw the Ashton Kutcher one? Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> Which is called No Strings Attached, right? Right? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. which came out at the same time. I think this is the better one. I have not seen No Strings Attached, but I'll be honest with you. I picked this movie because I thought it was going to be bad, and it was thoroughly watchable and way funnier than I thought it would be. It's not a good movie. No. See, Paige thought we were going to argue about this. No, I don't think it's a good movie. It's a decent romantic comedy. Yes. It, it gave me everything I wanted from a romantic comedy. See, I didn't even get what I wanted from a romantic comedy out of this. But anyway, go ahead, Todd. It's because you like different things from a romantic comedy. Yeah, I get it. JT's shoulders are not up to par, and I understand mm-hmm. what you're going for, Paige. He's twiggy. <laughs> he was my favorite member of Insync back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, mm-hmm. because you're not a monster. What are you gonna be a Joey Fatone head? Like an idiot. Um, I'm just gonna say no. Currently, Joey Fatone is my favorite. Yeah, but back in the day, he was the one always trying to jump into frame because they were even trying to frame him out then. I know. Oh, poor so guy. Sad. And then he went on to be one of the more successful members yes, of Insane. Which is bonkers, but I'm here for it. Good for Joey. I'm here for it. My husband Jake and I had a conversation a few weeks back where I was like, man, if I was single. I'd totally have sex Joey Fatone. And he was like, is it also because that's probably the only member of NSYNC that you have like a legit chance with? And I was like, probably. Hey, attainability <laughs> is important. I get it. 
<laughs> I was like, don't lie. Chris Kirkpatrick also doesn't have anything going on. <laughs> but yeah, so this movie I thought was way funnier than I expected it to be. Because I thought this was going to be a train wreck from Jump Street, and it wasn't. I want to start this movie off right. Who who has had some... Uh... Some a friend with benefits. Not in the way depicted in this movie. Yeah, not in the way depicted in this movie, but I have been party to a beneficial friendship, yes. Mikey's was like a neighbor with benefits. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Mikey got real mad-faced at me right there. No, 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 no. That's not the what I was thinking of. I have had friends with benefits, but not the neighbor's not one that counts because we didn't... I'm not going to talk about that, but that's fine. Because you had to hold her hedgehog <laughs> while she clipped its toenails? <laughs> there is too much friend <laughs> For the record I met his neighbor And she was lovely and awesome I, th- I thought she was wonderful I, I just think it's anytime somebody says Too much friend not enough benefit I'm like so you didn't really want to be their friend No you just wanted to be their fuck buddy <laughs> you, you just yeah. wanted to be their fuck buddy Yeah <clears throat> Your honor on the advice of my attorney, I plead the fifth. <laughs> so, Mikey, were you going somewhere with the asking us of... Uh, you know what? I guess I fell into my own trap, so... <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, you did. No, I mean, I was going to go with, like, this rarely works out well. Yeah. It's always a giant disaster, in my experience. It is, yeah. It never yeah. ends well. I, I have not even seen it end well in other people's lives. <laughs> right, no. I no. don't... I'm talking about in general. You can't be friends and benefits. It just doesn't work. No. I'm not going to say that. I, I, it should like, be just benefits or just friends. I'm here for just friends because I love Ryan Reynolds, but we've already done that. Same. <laughs> Same. Uh, but I think the key is that you have to both be amazing communicators and constantly checking in. And that yes. almost never happens. And, and I am an amazing, but I, you know, I just never friendliest. What do you call this? I never friendly with people who are as good as communicators as I am. I like how Mikey points out that every time I've had a friend with benefits, it hasn't gone well, but it's their fault. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody always gets feelings. Well, yeah, but I, I I just think as far as me personally, if I am friends with you and there's anything physical happening, I'm gonna catch feelings for you. That's just who I am. That's my problem too. Yeah. I'm always the one who catches feelings and I'm always the one who gets hurt. (laughs) There is a separation. If I just met you at a bar tonight and we end up making out, I have no feelings there. (laughs) I I do not care. I'm not having sex with you if I haven't established a level of trust first. Mm, Sure. And once I've established that level of trust, I'm, you know, then we're friends and then it's, then I'm going to catch feelings for you. So this was a much younger Mikey's playbook i i think when they had that conversation of like this feels like something to do in your 20s i was like it really is yeah that's when i did it Mm -hmm. i I think this is a conversation mikey todd and i have had off podcast (laughs) i am of the belief that sex is better when you know and yeah well when when you know and trust each other and for me that means feelings so Mm -hmm. personally i that's not the same for everybody people are different you got to know yourself and communicate and as you get older you're like i want a partner who is a best friend with benefits so i mean like yes also what's weird about this film is that they don't have other friends which is also a weird part of this movie well so here's okay let me just get into it uh i not not a fan uh, of this movie not i didn't hate this movie just didn't really like it and i didn't really like no strings attached either this is the better of the two 
I will definitely say yeah. that. I'm glad I chose wisely out of these type of movies, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that came out at the same time. Yeah, it was like um, a month apart, yeah. But this movie is wildly uneven and written strangely, is what I'll say. It's very, very, very clear that this movie started out as a very bland script and then they brought people in to punch it up and you can tell. Yeah. And that's really rough to watch. And here's how you can tell that's what happened. Justin Timberlake has crushed like seven episodes of SNL. Yes. If you write him something good, he can deliver it. And he has nothing in this movie. He doesn't get to have a personality until an hour and 10 minutes into this film. When we go to see his family? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Mila Kunis, charm a go-go, doesn't get to have a personality until she starts dating other people 45 minutes into this movie. Which means we spend 40 minutes with two bland graham cracker people that we don't know anything about or really care about, and we don't need to spend that sh that much time. It's just like dating. Uh, nah. This movie is 20 <laughs> minutes. It's 20 minutes too long, and that 20 minutes should absolutely come out of the first act. Yeah, it takes it takes them a long time to come to their arrangement. No, it doesn't. They come to their arrangement fast, but then we have... Oh, it feels like a long time. It feels like a long time. We have three different montages of their arrangement. We don't need that much. No, and they all serve the same purpose. Like you could have shortened yeah. that to one sex montage. We could have gotten yes. that it was multiple different encounters. Yes. But yeah, we didn't need three of them. But I, I really think the director was just like, they're really hot. Let's just show them almost naked as much as possible. That's what it felt like. But here's my other frustration with this movie. This movie centers itself around sex so much. That's the focal point of this movie. Yeah. And it's this whole having its cake and eating it too, because the movie wants you to believe that it's this progressive sexual arrangement. And then they just have fucking missionary the whole movie. Fuck this movie. Fuck this boring sex. The sex of this movie is terrible. <laughs> you mean when JT gets uncomfortable that she's on top? Yes! Get <laughs> He's a full-blown adult tracing letters into her pussy. Get right. Learn to go down. Fuck this nonsense. And he wears socks all the time, even in the shower when they're having sex. Yeah, take a note, Todd. I don't do that. Listen, I... You should. <laughs> it would help your life and the people in it. So you think he has gross feet like me, is what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought the whole time. Oh, it's just a thing I have where I wear socks. I'm like, oh, he's Todd. I got it. <laughs> that's his never nude item. Yeah. <laughs> but then you get to... The end of the second act. It This movie takes until the end of the second act to get watchable for me. And then it gets pretty good. Like the end of this movie, not the end end, but like the lead up to the end of this movie knocks it out of the park. It's just like how to lose a guy in 10 days. Yes, where everyone who I think who loves this movie is remembering a very specific 20 to 30 minute section of this movie yeah. and not the whole movie. Because the whole movie... I paused and walked away from it three different times because I was like, there's nothing keeping me here. I have no interest in these people. And I had to like slog through it to get to the point of her dating someone else and him clearly feeling some kind of way about it mm -hmm. that I cared. Yeah, There's just 
literally nothing happens in this movie for an hour and it's maddening. (laughs) But then occasionally there are really funny moments that are literally written in a completely different voice from the rest of the movie. And so that's why I started to notice it where I was just like, somebody punched this up and whoever they hired for punch up did an amazing job. Yeah, they were good. They were good. Mm-hmm. But this movie has nothing else. Like they they needed that person to literally rewrite a whole draft, not just punch up and cut 20 minutes out of the first act of this movie because it's insufferable. Anyway, it wasn't the worst <laughs> thing we watched. It's not remember me. No, it's, <laughs> it's certainly not the worst movie we've ever done, but I wouldn't say it's a great movie. It's fun and i thought it was watchable but it did feel long that's a good note yeah but maybe we should just get into the movie so we can talk about it as we go through it yeah so this as we mentioned came out in 2011 this one is r-rated no strings attached i think is pg-13 oh is it yes okay. so this was billed as like the sexy one i don't find either all that sexy but i would say that at least at least JT and Mila Kunis have more chemistry than Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman. I agree with that. That movie is a dry toast of a movie. That's <laughs> just like not interesting. <laughs> but we open on Timberlake with a giant touchscreen working at what seems to be like an, a news blog or an entertainment blog. I think you mean the division of pre-crime. Yes! Yes! In my notes, I just have it as like, Justin Justin Timberlake is in Minority Report. (laughs) He's got the blue ball. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And he is working late, and we see a call come in, and he answers it. We cut to Mila Kunis, who's like, hey, are you still at work? And he is like, uh, no, I'm almost there. And then he says to one of the other guys, give me your pants because he spilled coffee on his. Yeah. And we cut back to her. She's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm here. There's so many people. And she's like, I'm the only one outside. And we find out that she is at a movie theater to watch Pretty Woman. And it seems like he is scrambling to get there with her. Except he's around palm trees and she's clearly in New York City. Yes. Oh, I didn't catch that. I was like, like yeah. I was like, is this movie start with like a flash forward? I was, I was totally no. like not thinking. I really like this because it sets up a running joke in the movie where they show like the quote unquote rom com that they're watching, yes. where it's clearly in L.A. but they're saying it's New York. Yeah. So like, I feel like they're setting up that joke here because Paige, yep. not to jump the gun, but when they actually arrive to where you think we're gonna see J.T. and Mila Kunis together, it's actually them meeting the people they're dating at the time which is different people i do think it's really interesting that they do seem to be meeting at like the same kind of venue like he runs up to emma stone also in easy a right there's a lot of easy a crossover into this movie and in part because easy a came out literally the year before oh yeah and so the director just like called because patricia clarkson is also in easy a oh okay um there's a i have a list later of like all the people in easy a that kind of crossover but So they're there to see John Mayer, but they seem to be seeing John Mayer at a movie theater. I don't know why, but they are. So Emma Stone is mad because they've missed Your Body is a Wonderland. And the like running joke in this scene is that that's the one John Mayer song you'd want to see. Yeah. Which I find it's absolutely true and i say this is somebody who i'd go see john mayer but like if i missed your body is a wonderland why are we here and 
very upsetting for Emma Stone. John Mayer definitely saves that song for the end because he knows he'd lose half of the people there. That's, yeah. That was my Absolutely. whole thing. Yeah. yeah. That'd be like Leonard Skinner opening on Freebird. Like everyone's <laughs> leaving. <laughs> They're like, we didn't even get our lighters out yet. Oh, but we got we got give me three steps coming up next. <laughs> next, I'm gonna do some of my original work. Uh, so we cut over to Mila Kunis, who is actually meeting Andy Sandberg, and they're going to see Pretty Woman, yeah. and she brought sandwiches, and he is... <laughs> Allergetic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just bad all around. So we cut to basically intercutting between their significant others saying we need to talk i think we should take a break um and they basically have like a huge amount of complaints about mila kunis and justin timberlake that when you start this movie you think that you're gonna then see some of those behaviors continue to play out but i feel like this movie is a lot of you're damaged you're unavailable and then not proof of that at all until way later in the movie where you're just like yeah they seem fine yeah they do well that's the thing as a damaged unavailable person you have to learn to hide it really well <laughs> I just don't, I, we've made todd uncomfortable well i feel like it doesn't have a strong case for them being damaged to the point where it's impacting their relationships until one could argue they're just with the wrong people yeah that's what i think yeah i don't think they're damaged either i mean i, I sort of think every adult can benefit from therapy so like sure go to yeah. therapy but yeah. i don't think they're undateable they're not like killing animals like yeah in like yeah. yeah i get it and they're not they're not like serial cheaters or anything either. yeah they don't seem no. to be self-sabotaging right they're just with the wrong people yeah yeah it's called vulnerability you get into relationships where you know it won't work out so you feel more comfortable in that relationship oh mikey i feel like you just had a breakthrough in therapy with you <laughs> i've i've worked on this for years but, th <laughs> but then that way you if there's no stakes it doesn't matter so you you just it does. It, it's fine. Like, it, but it, but if there's no stakes, it's not like a real thing. Sure. I mean, I don't think that's a healthy way to live. It I think you should not, definitely Paige. keep talking no. to somebody about that. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying that's how they're damaged. <laughs> I'm saying. But here's the thing. I I don't necessarily think that's how they're damaged. I think her quote unquote damage, according to this movie, is that she wants to invest in something very serious because her mom was not serious, and oh. so she wants the opposite. Yeah. And she's having trouble finding people willing to invest in that time with her, probably because she introduces that a little soon in a relationship. It's like if you go on a first date with a girl and you're already talking about kids, like that might be a little overwhelming, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pickup line. <laughs> Depending on your, your age and where you're at in life, maybe, maybe not. But no, I, think I, I think you're right. I think they they classify themselves as damaged for reasons that are not actually why they're like she wants something serious. But she was dating. Uh, what's his face? Andy Samberg, who is like the more you know about her throughout the movie, she you know that like that guy was not really her type that much. Well, and he, here's what I, I will say, because we see in her date another guy later in the movie where guys get invested and then leave her because they're scared of it being mm. a big thing. And so that's why I think it's like maybe she dives in too soon and that's maybe the problem. And that's part of why this arrangement ends up serving her is she gets a lot more time with a lot less pressure. Yeah. But then Justin Timberlake, it never clearly defines what his problem is other than that he doesn't want to bring people home to his family. Like it doesn't, 
it kind of does a thing with his mom where he's like, I'm scared because she ran out. But I'm like, that's her. dude. Like, that's you. You're not displaying any of the same things as her. Like, I don't know why her running out makes you feel okay, that okay. way. I could talk about this because okay. I've done a lot of personal work in this area. Okay. And I had a f- fear that I was like my dad and I would like mm. hurt people. So okay. I would not put myself in a position to be able to hurt people by like not being in real relationships. But then in turn hurt people worse because you weren't being truly vulnerable uh-huh, with them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I had to work on that. And I've gotten a lot better with that over the over the years. But yeah, I could that's that's something where somebody could come from. None okay. of these are like healthy coping skills. I'm just saying these are some things you gotta be aware of. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think that Mila Kunis's character, like her quote unquote damage, which is not, is that she's looking for something very serious and she's dating men who are not serious. So she overcommits to her relationship. They get scared and leave because they are not looking for lifelong relationships. They're looking to hook up with people. And that's fine, but that's not what Mila Kunis is looking for. So it's just her relationships aren't working because she's looking for the wrong people. Well, and they're also they're not communicating with her that they want to they want to just hook up. No, no, I like agree that with that. Doctor guy really really kind of dicked her over. Oh yeah, and oh, that yeah. happens. Like he communicated relationships. Yes, no, and that yes. happens especially to people who are looking for something long term and maybe are like willing to jump into mm-hmm. more of like the really relationshipy stuff early on. People will abuse that by like pretending to be yeah. into like long term relationship stuff, and then once they get what they want, they bolt. Yeah. In yeah. my case, I just wouldn't date much at all. Like, I didn't date much at all in college or in my early 20s because I just was like avoiding vulnerability. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or like that fear or whatever. So anyway, so their significant others in this scene really kind of seem to hammer home this idea that they're the damaged ones. Yes. Uh, which I think is unfair to them, but whatever. The thing that bothered me most about that is that they seem to take it to heart. They're like, yeah, I guess I am yeah. damaged, which I was like, right. no, you're not. You're just dating the wrong people, which is okay, live and learn, but like, you know, find what you're actually looking for because it's out there. Well, and both of the people that they're dating are a hefty bag of crazy themselves because this is where Andy Sandberg, we find out, was late because he was trying to pick out things to wear and he decided on sneakers and jeans. Yeah. And then we get to Emma Stone, who believes that John Mayer is the Sheryl Crow of our generation. And I'm like, no, 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 Sheryl Crow. Is still the Cheryl Crow of our generation. <laughs> she had an album out at this time. Like, what's going on? Uh, anyway, they they break up with them. They do the whole, it's not you, it's me. And then Emma Stone just says, stay friends. And JT is like, okay, fine. And she just says, John fucking Mayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> runs to the concert. I loved it, though. She is way over the top in her one scene in this movie. And I love, love it. it. Yeah. There, there's a callback to it later that really made me laugh. And it was one of those things I'm like, definitely uh, from the punch up person. I think this whole first scene was written by a punch up person. Yeah. But yeah, th- this at this point, I was like, oh, this is funnier than I thought. Yeah, yeah. When that guy takes off his pants, he's not wearing underwear. He's like, OK, different guy's pants. I yeah. Need yeah. Like, <laughs> Other guy's pants. We then get them having conversations with friends about like how they're going to start dating with no emotions. And I'm like, why was this the answer? <laughs> like, why not just I think I was dating the wrong person? Right. Anyway, uh, they end up both saying that they want to date without emotions like George Clooney, who, by the way, ends up marrying a strong, powerful lady. And yeah, like a human rights lawyer. Right. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> 
then we cut to Justin Timberlake on a plane trying to talk to the flight attendant about how <laughs> he doesn't think Sully Sullenberger's a hero. I, I <laughs> loved this running gag. I loved it so much. Well, here's what cracked me up about it, because at the time on 30 Rock, which is occurring at the same time yes. as this movie. Yeah. There is a similar running joke where Matt Damon is a pilot named Carol. Yep. And he also dislikes Sully Sullenberger. And every time somebody brings him up, he's like, you know, that's a big part of my job as a pilot is not hitting birds. So you know, <laughs> landing planes where they're supposed to land. So I, I very much chuckled at its inclusion here. Yeah, it's very funny. But we cut to the airport and Mila Kunis is there to pick someone up. We find out that she is a talent acquisition specialist. Yeah, a headhunter. A headhunter. And she's looking to fill a job at GQ and is flying a guy in from L.A. to do it. She ends up stealing a sign from somebody, writing his name in lipstick. And we see Justin Timberlake arrive. We see her jump onto the baggage carousel because the like sign blows away. And then she's like handing out bags to people. <laughs> As she's like running around the carousel. I find her very charming. <laughs> I find her very charming too. I generally like her and they don't give her a lot to work with in this movie until much later. Yeah. So she, what she does with what she is given, high marks. I agree. I think she does a great job in this movie. I don't think it's written great. Yeah. But I think they both do a good job. Like I was really surprised at how good JT did. And largely because I was expecting so much less from him. I see. I was expecting what? more because I, more. Yeah. I completely did not think about the SNL stuff I've seen him in. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think he does real bad until late in this movie. And when they finally give him something to do and when they like finally give him personality quirks that only appear for two scenes. Um, he he then really like knocks it out of the park. But until then, just as a straight man, he's so, so boring. Like imagine imagine a Paul Rudd in that position instead. Yeah. OK. Or or even if you want to keep it as like a, a hot body thick boy, Chris Evans, Chris Evans would have knocked this shit out of the park, you know? Huh. That's America's ass right there. It is America's ass right there. Paige is like, why wasn't there a guy who's more my type in this movie? <laughs> I Hey, I listed Paul Rudd first, and Paul Rudd is our national treasure, but not super high on my list of hot bodies, but whatever. I wouldn't say Paul Rudd's a hot body, but he's a great actor, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He also is a vampire, and I don't understand how he still looks like he was in Clueless yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. How do I still look 19? Well, marrying your step sister keeps you young which is what oh, he does in Clueless. Clueless. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I leaned in so hard because I thought you had a, a Paul Rudd hot take. I was like, oh no. A Clueless but even <laughs> to include somebody that's already in this movie in a different context, think about Jason Siegel in that role. Speaking yeah. of hot bodies. I like Jason Siegel. He's tall. Yeah. He's super tall. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I wish I was tall. Me too. As someone who says they're 5'9", I wish I was tall, too. <laughs> I wish I knew it was in my kitchen cabinets, yeah. <laughs> Paige, same. And I am in a house <laughs> with a woman who's five foot tall. So, like, I am the tall one around the house, but we have three step stools. Why'd you put stuff up there? <laughs> so they leave to go to the interview, and they're kind of talking through, and he basically is telling her that he didn't 
really super want this job, but he's exploring his options. Yeah, it was like free trip to New York. Who's going to turn that down? And she's like, you did for six months. You're an idiot. Um, so uh, this is also the first tag we get about the DuncanMyTitsHeinz.com. Yes. Where it's basically just a, a topless woman dipping her tits in cupcake batter was basically all it is. Which is weird, but I'm sure someone's into that. So I am almost 100% sure uh-huh. That this is supposed to be cake farts. I knew it, yeah. So, like, I 100% thought it had to be cake farts. Yeah, that, that's what they're trying to reference. Because there's a lot oh, of boy. stuff in this movie that's very of the time. Yes, I had some trouble uh, being like, okay, I don't remember all of this. Well, yeah, because they're it's like they're trying to reference things that were happening as jokes as opposed to writing full jokes. Uh-huh. And yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Where... We'll get to when we get to some of them, I'll, I'll bring it up. Uh, but anyway, so um, they're getting ready to go to the interview. She drops him off at what looks like 30. Rock. It is 30 Rock. Okay. It 100 percent is. I was like, oh, this is 30 Rock. I know this from 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, I know this from 30 Rock and the Spider-Man video game I'm playing. So <laughs> she wished him good luck. And he's in that interview for a long time, like basically the whole rest of the day. Yeah. And. At night, she meets him outside and asks how it went. And he says that he he thinks it went well. And she reveals that she already has his offer and has texted it to him. Yeah, which I thought was a nice way to get around saying how much he was going to get paid to, you know, come and move to New York to be GQ's art director. I mean, I did look look numbers Oh, up. I knew you would. But I, I'm sure it's actually a pretty good lucrative position. I'm not sure it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I bet it's six figures. Like that would not surprise me at all. Well, I'll get into it. It's unlikely that he can afford that apartment. I bet that's corporate housing. I bet that's a perk. Yes. Because he goes there the first night. And she was able to set stuff up ahead of time. Yeah. So I have that. I I have options for that and something else. And it's probably for the year. He signed that contract. It's probably included. We'll get into it in fun fact. She also has a very lucrative job. The thing that this movie does is give them both. I would say jobs that are lucrative enough to justify them living in New York City, which is a rarity. Yeah. So she then basically decides that she's going to sell him on New York to get him to take that job. Yeah. Where she's like, it's it's a dream job. It is art director for GQ. That is huge. I don't need to sell you on why that job is great. I need to sell you on why you should be here instead of L.A. And so she then proceeds to basically take him to this kind of cool outdoor bar is the first one. Mm -hmm. And they're talking through like why he should take the job and everything. And as they do, he runs into Sean White, Olympic snowboarder Sean White. Now, here's the thing about this running joke. In this first scene, it's weird and it's cringy. Because he was just in everything at the time. I don't know why America had such a love affair with Sean White at the time, but he was like on 30 Rock. He was on other shows. He was in this. He's in a bunch of other movies. Yeah. And all as a cameo as himself. I'm not sure why it was the thing. The thing that this movie does that we don't really get a taste of until later in the movie, but I actually really like, is make him into a violent sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> he is insane. And honestly, I was here for it. I loved it. Yes. This was also clearly punch up at this point. But this idea that he's just like, 
I'm whispering in the ear of a dead man. <laughs> I, that was the first time I laughed out loud during this movie because I wasn't expecting yeah. it. I thought it was just like, oh, no, we're cool. I was just messing around, which is a douchebag move to do when you don't know somebody. Yes. But then when he leaned in and he said that, I was like, oh, no, he is a sociopath. <laughs> He's crazy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's established that, yes, he is a violent, crazy person. And I do like that Justin Timberlake just says he seems uh, violent. <laughs> um, I do like that they don't let it just be the normal Sean White cameo because usually he's just like, hey, snowboarding man. And he's like, yeah, you know me. I'm Sean White. And that's usually what happens. Yeah. And the fact that in this one, he's like snowboarding. He's like, I will cut you open. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, what is happening? I honestly wanted at one point just to cut away to Sean White, just sharpening the edge of his <laughs> snowboard. Oh, snowboard? Like he's going to kill people with it down a run. I didn't get it. But listen, I am pitching a Sean White movie where we have him as a snowboarding assassin. And that is his method of choice. Let's just do it as a spinoff. <laughs> it, well, it's making me think of, and God damn it, now I don't remember what movie it is, but like, there's a romantic comedy where they cut away to Lou Ferrigno a bunch, where they're just like, shut up, Lou Ferrigno. And he's like, I'm just trying to offer support. <laughs> and they go on to their next New York activity. Uh, and as they're walking to what they're going to do next, she tells Justin Timberlake that she took Sean White's virginity eight months ago <laughs> and then reveals that it's a joke. But the idea that that's what she was going to tell him what and she's like, no, he's just a friend. Uh, but I do think it's funny that that's how she introduces it. Yeah. Uh, but she has him roll under a gate so that they can sneak into a building and up a staircase for what looks to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 stories. Yeah, they walk a lot of stairs. Can I just say this? When she walks over the bar that separates the last staircase from like the roof entrance or whatever. Yeah. She like in a skirt steps over that like bar and then he mm. looks at her and just opens it and walks through it. <laughs> I, that was the second time I laughed out loud. I was like, that is so funny. And it's like, no one talks about it. It's just like a visual gag that made me laugh. Well, and that's the kind of stuff that this movie needs more of that it doesn't have yeah. is the visual gags and the visual depiction of them getting closer. We get a lot of them talking about it and just not a lot of, of those kind of fun visuals like that. Yeah. I mean, and that may be one thing that like wasn't in the script. It was just like as they were shooting it, she was walking over yeah, and he they was just like, found it. why don't I just open it and walk through? He's like, do it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so we reveal that this is her open space. It's the top of a building. This is where she goes to think. She yeah. doesn't have cell service there. And you can see the stars. And she asks him what his dad thinks of the job. And this is where we find out that his dad used to write for the L.A. Times. Mm. And she reveals that she found out on Google and he's kind of cagey about it where he's like, I don't know. I didn't tell him. He did tell me to go with my gut and be proud no matter what. And then we don't talk about it again for an hour and some change. Yeah. So it like sets it up and then we don't ever reference it until we actually go meet him. Right. Uh, he asks if she takes all of her recruits up there and she's like, no, I've never taken anybody up here. Like he he is special even in yeah. this like, you know, first and he even scenes. thanks her. He's like, oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, they go to Times Square where they see a flash mob, which was very of the time. Oh, man. It yeah. felt very Harlem Shake to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and especially because flash mobs were very much a thing in a point of time, a point in time. Yeah. And they like 
got super popular and then they were gone. Yeah. And so it very much dates this movie where I think they thought it was going to be a thing for a long time. And it's honestly, by the time this movie came out, it was almost out of popularity. Yeah. They're like, oh, <laughs> shit, you remember flash mobs? Yeah. Uh, so during the flash mob, he agrees to take the job. And uh, we cut to him flying back out to New York to take it. So, like, he probably, we don't see it, but he probably flew home, yeah. gave his notice, packed up to move. We actually do see, like, a scene of him, a shot from outside the window of his office, and it's saying, goodbye, sellout. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we do oh, see him back yeah, yeah, yeah. in L.A. saying goodbye. I think we only see him say goodbye to his office, though. We don't see him yeah. with his family. Yeah. He has no friends. I think I thought we established this earlier. Well, no, we don't even get a scene with his, fa- his family, though, is my point. And yeah. we yeah. see them a lot later in the movie. I'm just right. saying that because neither of them actually have friends, yeah. that they don't understand what friends with benefits is or relationships because they have <laughs> no actual friendship. So everything, you know, it's all this way. The only time we see Mila Kunis with anyone that's not Justin Timberlake is when he shows up at her apartment for like the party that she's having. And then she has a bunch of friends that she doesn't talk to that she introduces them to, but she it never talks to It was just another her. flash mob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does have that other friend in the very beginning that we don't get a name for and who doesn't get to speak. This movie That's right. very much does not pack, pass the Bechtel test. I'm sure not, like, yeah. Not remotely. Uh, anyway, so uh, he's on the plane with Masioka, the, the actor who plays Hero from Heroes. Yes. Which was also popular at the time. Yes. And he's on the plane complaining again about Captain Sully. And Hero's just like, what's wrong with you? He's a hero. And we cut to (laughs) him getting out of a cab as it pulls up in front of his apartment building. And the cab driver is just like, get your shit out of my car. (laughs) So he's just like a real cab driver. Yeah. Yes, he's a real cab driver or (laughs) appears to be a real cab driver. Yeah. Uh, He walks into his apartment, um, which is super expensive. I do think it's corporate housing. That's the only way it makes sense. I loved it, though. Uh, It was really nice. Uh, she also leaves him uh, a basket of diapers just in case he shits the bed. Yeah, which I thought was cute. Uh-huh. But at this point, she is just like the recruiter, right, who got him in this job. They clearly had like a connection, like a friendship connection. But I, right. I fully expected like Mila Kunis was done with this. She was moving on to the next person. Yeah. And, well, and typically, yes. That, yeah, that yeah. That's her happen. job. So we cut to Justin Timberlake is giving like his first meeting at his new job. He takes his door off the hinges. Because, quote, his door is always open. Yeah, I know. Like, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> Paige just hung herself. Uh, that, <laughs> I mean, that is like a bad boss kind of a thing. I mean, all bosses say that, which is why it's so cliche. But to like literally go the next step and take your door off its hinges is ridiculous. <laughs> also, the facilities manager is super pissed at you immediately as you get hired. Especially because it's a glass door. So, yeah. like, you can't just, like, lay it to the side. <laughs> it's glass. It's going to, like. <laughs> Actually, it is laying to the side the rest of the time you see those office shots because they were probably shot over, like, a four-day time period. Right, and right, right. it's just right. been there the whole time. I thought that was really funny because it's supposed to take place over the course of a year and no one from right. facilities was like, this is at least a fire hazard. We've got to get <laughs> yeah. this out of here. <laughs> yep. Uh, and this is where we meet Woody Harrelson's character, Tommy Bollinger. And he basically is just like, nice to meet you. Can't wait to take you out on the city and troll for cock. And I'm like, strong swing. I know. Like, <laughs> I've been to play downtown and I've had people like try to buy me drinks, but no one was like that assumptive that I was gay. You know what I'm saying? Well, here, here's the thing. It swings 
hard in this first scene. And I think what the movie is trying to do is play with stereotypes a little bit. Because yeah. he is like the sports editor. Yeah. He's still a, a stereotypically masculine dude and is just like, love dicks. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, that's kind of nice. I like I kind of like that. Do I wish it was a gay actor? Yes. However, there are some scenes with him later in this movie that I find very funny. <laughs> but we'll get to it. Yeah. So he clarifies with Justin Timberlake a couple times like you're sure you're not gay you sure okay cool <laughs> and then just kind of goes on his merry way I didn't want to like his character because but I, I mean like Woody Harrelson makes me laugh like in general and then like <sighs> there's a scene later in this movie where he he he's just kind of constantly asking people yeah and at one point he's just like are you gay you sure Give, Give me, me five, five minutes, minutes of your time. time. <laughs> I love <laughs> I that. I lost yeah. my mind. Yeah. That made me laugh so hard. Yeah. Just the idea that he's like, let me pitch it to you. <laughs> like, I know you're saying no, but I think I can change your mind. <laughs> uh, when he's doing that photo shoot, I was just laughing, really. Yeah. So Mila Kunis comes to his office so that he can sign his final contracts. And this is where we actually see DuncanMyTitsHines.com. Yeah, he shows it to her in the office. Also an <laughs> HR violation, right? They're at work. He, he works in a glass office. Everyone can see his screen. There's no way they're not watching boobies. It's innocent. In. He's got nothing to hide. His door is off the hinges. <laughs> so. <laughs> this is also where we find out that um, she is signing for a year. So essentially don't get fired or leave. He can get fired or leave. But if he leaves before the year mark, she doesn't get her bonus. Right. So we cut to them going out to lunch. And this is where we basically establish that like she is the only friend he has in the city. And he is the only friend that she has in the city. <laughs> yeah, somehow. But also she does this whole play like, like, are you asking me out? No. Oh my God. What? And no. She's messing with him. Yeah. Really funny. He's like, I literally know no one. I don't know where I should go to eat. Can you just show me? <laughs> like, yeah. And they go and have lunch. Yeah. They, they go and have lunch and his ex calls during lunch. Oh, I love this. And. She goes to answer the phone, and the only thing we hear is just, John fucking Mayer! And then the phone hangs up. Which is, I'm sure, because they couldn't get her for a second day when they were shooting that scene. I'm sure. And they just reused the audio from her walking into the John Mayer Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I can guarantee you that's I know. I've done shit like that for shoots. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, she does invite him to a party at her house that has one of my favorite group reactions in this movie where she's like, hey, everybody, this is Dylan. He's from L.A. And they just, boom! <laughs> He's the reason I could afford all this beer. Yeah! <laughs> like, I also, I love every time anyone in this movie makes fun of Los Angeles. It's pretty fun. I also think that that reaction shot page plays into Mikey's theory that they are just a hired flash mob for her yeah, in right. this party scene. Yeah. Because that's, that's all they do. It could just yep. be me, you, and Paige, like, in the background, like, how long do we have to pretend to be friends while they, like, talk to only each other? Like, this is weird, <laughs> right? Did you guys practice the electric slide? Because I haven't done it since grade school, and it's we were electric. supposed to do it. Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. I do think that's sort of, like, a weird, like, service you could offer. Be like, hey, I have 12 friends. And if you don't have any friends but want to try and make a friend in a low-pressure environment, hire us to <laughs> pretend to be a party at your house. And yeah. then you can focus on the one person you invited and make it seem like it's not a, like a high-pressure one-on-one situation. Yeah. And what we get in these like handful of scenes is a montage of them doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, 
in theory, over a couple of weeks, I would imagine, where like he gets drunk and passes out at her party. She yeah. passes out at, at a thing they go to. He draws on her face in black light paint. Um, we see the street art uh gallery that they go to. Yeah. She takes a photo next to his ad at the airport. Yeah, the flash mob ad that he showed her earlier. And then we see them watching a romantic comedy together on the couch, which I don't know about y'all. That's never something I do with a friend of the opposite sex. The opposite sex? Probably not. But if Mikey was like, hey, Todd, I'm bored. Do you want to come over or order pizza and watch No Strings Attached? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime I watch a romantic comedy with the opposite sex and pizza is involved and wine, it's definitely... That's a date. Not been normal friendships. Yeah. They've been been a friendships. Been a friendships. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Action movie, totally different. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But we get to see pieces of a fake movie with uh, Madison and Bryce, which is Rashida Jones and Jason Segel. And this is where we get Justin Timberlake's theory that the music in romantic comedies is bad because it tells you how to feel. Yeah. Which is then pretty funny later in the movie when they specifically do those things. Yes, it is. They set it up, though, and that's what makes it funny. It's the setup, really. Yep. And this is where she kind of reveals her, like, I want that romantic comedy relationship, which is not real and uh, should not be your aspiration because it doesn't account for people being people. But then he is kind of like, this is not realistic. No one makes a movie about what happens after. Actually, they do. It's porn, which I think is pretty funny. And accurate. And accurate. But this is where they (laughs) lay out that they wish they could just have sex without complications. So let's just do it. It's like playing tennis. You know, you play tennis and then you go home. You don't think about it. Right. Till your knee hurts. (laughs) Till your knee hurts. Oh, I got this weird sex elbow. Is that is that (laughs) weird? Like it's just it hurts all the time. I've got a bad knee. So I don't know what JT's (laughs) talking about being like, I always want to be on top because like, you know, it'll ache. Yeah, of course. And also switch it up. So no, they end up swearing on a Bible app on the iPad, which is actually a very funny joke. Holy shit. Pretty funny. That was so funny. The whole like, and, ha, 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 like it, it going in and out. Oh, so funny. I love that so much. That's also very clearly punch up. Um, but it's where as they're shifting the iPad, hor- like landscape yeah, to yeah, they, they vertical, yeah. <laughs> it keeps switching the app on and off. And every time they try to swear with their hands on it, it makes this kind of like choir sound. But then as they move it, it like. <laughs> it made my day, man. It was so funny. Uh, so they get off to a little bit of an awkward start, but they end up literally just telling each other what they like and don't like. And there was a part of me that's like, imagine if you did this with the people that you're in relationships with, just communicated to them more of the things that you needed in that relationship. I actually really liked this specific part of the movie because it was like, I thought it was like a good way to enter into a relationship because <laughs> they're very open about like what they're into, what they like, what their boundaries are. And they're very I respectful like of each should... other's boundaries. Right. Yeah. No, I agree, Paige. I think people should be like this. Yeah. The whole joke of the movie is like, look at this healthy communication about sex you can only have with people you're not in relationships with. I know. I, like, I thought that yeah. this is not good. This is not good. Well, and and I'm like, you should absolutely be having these conversations if you're going to be in any sexual relationship, yeah. regardless of if it's long-term, casual, multiple partners, whatever. This should be a conversation of please do this. Please don't do this. I don't like this. I don't like that. And they communicate in the moment, which is also good. 
But again, it's presented as like, you know, couples would never do this. I'm like, all couples should do this. Couples that have a good yeah. sex life do this. I know. But here's the crazy thing. They also try to present this, well, more more so subsequent scenes, I would say. But because of their level of communication, they try to present it as if it's amazing sex. And I'm like, yeah, that's what communication does. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but, but then what we see is not that amazing. We see a lot of missionary in just shot from different angles. But if that's what they really want, if that's what those two people really want, that's fine. I mean, I would make a sure. movie about it, but I mean, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's clearly it's clearly not because she does try to get on top and then he gets weird about it. That was so bizarre, right? Sometimes you just yeah. want to watch the show, Mikey. There's so many other weird like out there positions where you'd be like, I, I, I can't do this. My, my my leg hurts or something, you know, like then they could have Deadpool does a good job of that. Yes. Yeah. That's why I love Deadpool. Yeah. There, there's even variations on missionary that you could do that they don't do in this. movie. No. It is the same position the whole movie. And he does end up singing to her. He's singing closing time by semi-sonic and he thinks it's third eye blind. I thought that that was so funny, though. I think it's because they talk to each other a lot during sex in the scenes and it would be harder to frame. But wouldn't it have been really funny if you saw just <laughs> yeah. their heads and he's behind her, like doggy style, and she's like, you mean like she real life? Yeah, she <laughs> yes. <laughs> she keeps turning around to be like, it's third eye blind, you idiot. Like that would yeah. make me laugh. Yeah. Also, if if you have the time to remember that it's semi sonic, he ain't hitting it good enough. <laughs> if he's not making you forget all of Third Eye Blind's catalog, <laughs> he ain't doing it right. We need Ladies. to set this bar a little lower. No, no, because you should be like semi-time kind of, and then just like it's gone from your brain. Step your game up, JT. So, well, don't you know what JT stands for? It's just traditional. <laughs> just traditional. <laughs> anyway, they they finish up. We cut to the next day, and he's debating between covers of the magazine, and it's Sean White versus Obama. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I hear Sean White's kind of a jerk, <laughs> and chooses Obama. But my favorite is Woody Harrelson is like, no. One wants to fuck Obama and I'm like wrong like right? so many people would, would have had sex with Obama like what are you talking about yeah he was the president daddy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that reaction and uh name another president you'd fuck oof. exactly exactly uh, George Washington Ooh, wooden teeth, baby. You get splinters on your dick. You don't want that. Oh, you got to take the teeth out, Todd. <laughs> Probably Abraham Lincoln. So he would give me an honest review of the sex. Because mm, he's honest, Dave. Uh, but I, I just want to say that George Washington actually had uh, false sets of teeth often made from the teeth of enslaved peoples. Yeah, but he will cut down your cherry tree, ladies. No, I've got a, a sex embargo against George Washington for all of his <laughs> shenanigans. Guys in the Facebook group, tell us which president you'd like to fuck. I, I feel like you gotta go Kennedy, but he's gonna give you something. Oh. Like a disease. <laughs> and he, his back was all kinds of messed up, so it's his you doing all the work. His back was fucked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she shows up to kind of talk about what happened the night before. Yeah. And they basically have this whole like, it was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it. And then in my notes, I just have it's 35 minutes into this movie and we still know nothing about these people. Just that he moved yeah. from L.A. She's a recruiter. He's an art director. And they've had sex once. Yeah, that's it. 
That's all you know. Right. And then they dive into lunch and sex again. I do love that they're both like, yeah, it was a mistake. Let's not do it. So sorry. Let's just stay friends. Smash cut to them like boning. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they seem to play hooky for the whole rest of the day. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know when he's working, but whatever. Oh, he's working with her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we get a whole <laughs> montage of sex, but. All I get from this montage is that these people are not adults and maybe shouldn't be having sex. It does sort of feel like these sex scenes were written by someone in high school who's heard about sex and knows what it is, but has never experienced it themselves. Yes! Yes! It does! <laughs> from camp. Because this is, yeah, exactly, Mikey. Because this is where, like, we get the whole, he doesn't know how to go down on her. He sneezes when he comes, yeah. which is a normal thing. Sure, Todd, it's okay. I have never sneezed when I come. Yeah, I've I've never, no. But I thought it would be funny to do that as a joke. Well, and the whole like him going to the bathroom mid session, which is like, whatever, that's fine. But like that whole conversation to me felt very like. But her. Her not understanding exactly, why yeah. it would be difficult. I was like, you've had sex, but like you're an adult. Yeah. You no, don't understand. I mean, like maybe she didn't have good sex ed. She's from the South. Like people don't understand that like. <laughs> but she's been in relationships. I feel like. Yeah, but she asked why. She didn't ask. She probably knows it happens, but she doesn't know why it happened. I feel like if you're in a sexual relationship with anyone for any amount of time, you're going to encounter some of this stuff. And so this should be old hat. Oh, to me, it was just like, this is the first time they're talking about like, oh, why do guys dicks do that? Oh, that they only felt comfortable talking about it uh-huh. together? Well, yeah. that's a problem, too, because yeah. they, they should have been talking about it with previous just partners. just Google it. Or just Google it. This is also where we get the scene where he feels emasculated with her on top, which I do not understand that at all. Me either. Me either. Mila Kunis is really pretty. She is. She is really pretty. And the logic of that never made sense to me. And it's never really explained in the movie. I mean, I feel like it is explained badly. Like it, he feels emasculated when she's in control, which is like a problematic thing altogether. Like, But then it doesn't apply anywhere else. No, it literally is just sexually, which means like he has to only have sex when he is in control, which is. I mean, if we're going to watch a movie like that, there's <laughs> two more. There's two. There's Two more Fifty Shades that I got for you, but like, um, welcome to my Lego room. Your red room of pain, Mikey. My, yeah, my, with the Legos. Oh, that's right, with all the Legos on the floor. I have seen Mikey in sex jeans. It is sexy AF. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is a, a series of of sex scenes that seem to be kind of immature, and then her mom walks in on them. Yes. Who is Tammy <laughs> One from Parks and Recreation. And I love her in this movie and that show. Well, it's it's also, so this is, it's Patricia Clarkson, yeah. who is the mom in Easy A and is hilarious oh, in yeah? Easy A. I've never seen Easy A. It's oh, so good. Easy A, Easy A is good. Is it a rom-com? Yeah. Yeah, technically. It's a teen rom-com. All right. She hugs Justin Timberlake. And I had immediate flashbacks to Mother Lover. Oh, because yeah. Because she is also his lover in Mother Lover. Yes. So- she reveals that she broke up with her boyfriend. She's here to basically move in with Mila Kunis for a couple of weeks. And she does this whole like, you know, you're 39. This is not your bliss. And she's like, you're 48. And she's like, I got to get off this island. Cleveland's not an island. <laughs> she's like, believe me. Yes, it is. But this is where she finds out about their arrangement. This kind of uncomplicated sex arrangement. Right. And 
She does say, my daughter is just your slam piece, <laughs> which is... <laughs> she's not a great mom, but like, I love her character. She's so funny. The movie tells us she hasn't been a great mom, but there are a handful of times in this movie where she does give good advice. No, yeah, absolutely. I think she has boundary issues, but she does give good advice. Yeah. But like for comic relief, she's 10 out of 10 for me. I love this lady. Oh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> My favorite is, is I'm starving. You got any gin? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oof. Um, and every time she references her dad, she makes him a different nationality. Yeah. Which I find very just vaguely Middle Eastern, <laughs> Eurasian of some sort. I do love that they play with that because Mila Kunis is, I would say, sort of ethnically ambiguous, if that makes sense. Yes. She's, which I think is great. She's from the Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. But she could probably play all over, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And play in like the movie sense. Oh, yeah. Character she could she definitely could play. play all over with me. <laughs> I'm okay with this because Mila Kunis has more personality than any other woman you've had a crush on on this show. <laughs> and honestly, less teeth. She has a normal amount of teeth. She has the normal amount of teeth. Well, I will trade off some teeth for bigger eyes. <laughs> so the teeth eyes is the trade off for you. So yeah. what if someone was all teeth and no eyes? <laughs> Like well, Pan's like Labyrinth? Like, like Tooth <laughs> Child. <laughs> yeah, my perfect woman is a Langolier. <laughs> my perfect woman is just a bag of baby teeth. Uh, oh, oh, oh. It's just the teeth. Why has it got to be a baby, though? I want adult teeth. Because no, no one keeps adult teeth. <laughs> adult teeth means you murdered a person. Yeah, adult teeth is war crime. Yeah. But what's it mean when you have a bunch of baby teeth? <laughs> that you had a baby who lost teeth. But what if you didn't have a baby? Mikey, you got to throw some stuff out immediately. You, you, <laughs> yeah. st- you steal very creative things from house parties. That's what that means. My perfect woman is a trimmer. It's just all teeth and listens really well. So a lawnmower. <laughs> Here's what I wish I had done when I was like a kid losing teeth. I wish I had gone into the backyard and buried them. But all in one place. So uh-huh. people who moved into that house after we left would have a very traumatic story. <laughs> you should have put them in the wall. Yeah, then you show up to the house and you're like, you didn't move the graves, you just moved the stones. (laughs) Exactly. If you want a property value to plummet so you can buy it back at a cheaper price, bury your baby teeth. (laughs) Thank you. Follow me for other realtor tips. I'm at Todd J. Awesome. (laughs) So her mom is basically just like, hey, like... Good for you. I did that in the 70s. And I think that is what influences what happens to Jamie next, because ultimately she's trying to escape what happened to her mom. Yeah. So at this point, they're supposed to meet up. They meet. She meets him at his house. And I just have in my notes, how much longer is this movie? Because nothing is happening. And it was like 50 minutes into the movie. I know. (laughs) Well, and this is the point. They sort of not break up, but they stop this benefits part of their friendship. Right. And this is also where before they meet up, Justin Timberlake has a conversation with Woody Harrelson. And this is the one the give me five minutes of your time. Yeah. Well, because they're playing basketball, right? Because they're playing basketball. So they're on the court and he's like, you gay? You gay? No? Give me five minutes of your time. I did love that. I was I was literally thinking, oh, this is just like white men can't jump. And then Woody Harrelson does dunk. That's specifically why it's in. Yeah, I was like, damn, he still got it. (laughs) But he basically, you know, talks to Justin Timberlake about what he knows about women. Yeah. Is that he's like, they're smart 
and empathetic and they always catch feelings. And I'm like, dudes also catch feelings. Oh, I'm always the one to catch feelings. Uh, but my favorite is when he's like, all right, I'm going to head out. And then he just jumps over into the river and lands in a <laughs> oh, boat. Oh, man. That, uh, I lost it. I was like, did he just die? Like, what happened? Yeah. And then he's got this beautiful speedboat. It's the same kind of speedboats from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. They actually yes. named them in the movie, later in the movie, when the dad's like, I'm yes. in this. I, I have it later in my notes, but it is specifically, because it's 1937, and it is specifically the ones from Indiana Jones. And they don't say that, but that's why it's in Indiana Jones, is because it's a 1937 yeah. and it's you know, World War II. Uh, and he has it, I think, just because he thinks it's cool as shit. But anyway. Yeah, it, is. it is cool as shit, Woody. So she and her mom are hanging out and her mom is talking to her about her relationship with Justin Timberlake. And it's just like, yeah, I didn't think you were that kind of person. Like, you know, n nothing, no judgment. Just it doesn't seem like you. Right. And this is then where we cut to the next day. They're at Justin Timberlake's house. And she's like, I think I want to date again instead of this. And he starts singing semi-sonic to her again <laughs> saying this third eye blind it's not uh so they go to lunch instead and they stay friends but while they're out kind of walking through the park they're kind of encouraging each other to hit on other people but every time they do they clearly feel some kind of way about it yeah okay so let's talk about this really quick so when they yeah. are by that lake in central park i'm sorry i've been to new york once i've actually been to where they are i have no idea what it's called so forgive me but it's the scene where justin timberlake's hitting on the norwegian woman i think they say belgian. Is. belgian she is belgian yeah so almost french but belgian so when he's flirting with her the guy playing sax is playing the song you, you got what I need, I need, but you say he's just a friend. So they're playing the Bismarck Key Just a Friend song, and I thought that that was hilarious. That was hilarious. I do like that the Belgian lady seems like she's kind of into it, but then she's got a husband, so it's kind of like she's waffling. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bringing Mikey jokes from the top rope. That was amazing. I do like that, though, because you do see Mila Kunis like, oh, I don't really like watching this. And then you see the mm -hmm. flip side of that when Mila goes and um, starts flirting with i forget his name in the movie but uh his name is brian greenberg like that's his his real yeah. name mm -hmm. he was in a show i liked on hbo for a while but yeah he's great yeah and he's staring at a tree we find out later that he was asleep standing <laughs> up because he had worked 36 hours straight he's a children's oncologist yeah, i think he's a resident too so he's like a resident yeah. oncologist which means he's not making near as much money as he's about to and he works a lot yeah and we cut to a couple different dates with her and they seem to really, really hit it off. Yeah. Uh, this is where we start to actually get information about Mila Kunis and who she is. And I just have in my notes, why are we meeting Mila Kunis now, an hour into this movie? <laughs> like, why is this the first we're hearing about a lot of this? And through that montage, we eventually get to the point where they've hit five dates and she has like a five date rule. Yeah. And we see that Justin Timberlake is kind of texting her and she's texting back. And he's clearly kind of alone and not super happy about it. Yeah, because they don't have other friends. I thought we went over this. Yeah, they don't have other <laughs> friends. Uh, so he goes out with Woody Harrelson and brings home a creepy snarling girl. I loved. I connected with this scene. I know, Mikey, same. I love this <laughs> so much. Oh, man, it was so funny. I think... Everybody has met or been on a date or something with a person like this. Because I know I have one like this yeah. in, in my history that at the end of the date, I literally just 
he was super into positivity seminars and he was very aggressive. And I finally was just like, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to have sex with you. And he was just like, thank you for your honesty and speaking your truth. And then left. <laughs> you should have just been like, honestly, your shoulder width is not worth this conversation anymore. So it's true. <laughs> Did you get out the tape measure? Yeah. You're like 22s. Get out of here. You must be this wide to ride this <laughs> ride. This you ride. must be this wide to ride. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking for a Patrick Wilson or wider. <laughs> I don't really know if I like the phrase speak my truth. I, I don't like it either. I don't like when it's thrown at you in that situation. People always say it when they're going to be a dick about something. <laughs> People just throw in speaking their truth when they like want to make a point and you don't want to argue about it. And they're like, look, I just don't think vaccinations are effective. Uh, I'm just speaking my truth. Or that's you know, not the truth. Yeah, <laughs> it's your truth, which is not the truth. There's those, those are two separate things. You're using the word truth incorrectly in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> truth is one thing, and like your truth is just a lie. You know? Uh, I think closing time is by Third Eye Blind, and that's just me speaking my truth. <laughs> that's speaking my truth. Who does that semi time kind of life song? Semi Sonic, great. I've had I've had people bring it up in like arguments when, when dating, and I'm just like, I I, I get it's your truth, and I was, <laughs> I'm terrible to argue with. I'm like the worst person to argue, like therapist to argue because I'm like they're like, but these are this is my truth, these are my feelings, and I'm like, okay, feelings are real. I'm gonna give you that. Feelings are sure. real, yeah, but not all feelings are valid, and not all feelings are logical, and so you really <laughs> need to introspect before you act on stuff. <laughs> I, I agree. I would just switch the words where I would say your feelings are valid, but that doesn't mean they're accurate. Yeah. See, you're yeah. a better therapist than me. Paige has always been a better therapist than me. I just show up to like really intense situations and like hope the guy comes down. You know, that's that's all I do. <laughs> yeah. Just like that song by Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. Wish just you kidding. Would that was also, yes, that's also third eye blind. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so she is literally animal level snarling and licking his armpit which Todd is this the girl that that compared you to Jesus is that who you would put in this camp let's oh, just say yeah. at one point I had to stop her from doing something and say I like you a lot you don't have to be this performative <laughs> and then you said what was it what was it I am not gonna go into that page because was she just being like really loud was she no, just like Todd. really loud Todd was it like a was it like a screech <laughs> Screech! No, it was no Dustin Diamond, Mikey. Oh, <laughs> I mean, there was someone who like y you could tell they watched porn and they thought that that was normal. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I only watch amateur because I don't. Do <laughs> <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Like, and it was honestly. Oh, just, she was like, she was like, like going nut, like Price is riding it yeah. down the aisle, <laughs> and yeah. you're like, this is just regular. Was she was she porn dolphining? They're like. <laughs> 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 Look, For those of you who can't see me, I'm vigorously shaking my head yes. <laughs> I, I'm with you, John. I don't like it. I need like actual feedback so I know what works and doesn't work. I love yeah. vocal women. Like that's not what I'm saying. Only in the bedroom. Am I right, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mikey, you are not right. <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, there, there are porns where... The, the women in them are like busting a head vein and yes. they don't look like they're having any fun and are just 
screaming into people's faces. Let me be clear. It happened. I said this after we were done because, you know, we were in Uh the moment. I wasn't going to stop her. But she was to a point where she was about to pass out. She was like screaming so loud and she was like losing her breath. So I was like, I listen, glad you're having a good time. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't need the cops to show up here. I live in an apartment. Like, (laughs) this is not the place for that. And like, I like you a lot. You don't have to be this performative. And then after that, it got more, I would say, quote unquote, normal. Like, I felt like she was more authentic Mm. with me after that. So I, it it was better after that. I'm just picturing the opposite of that. (laughs) It's making me laugh. (laughs) I've had that happen. Todd it was just happening like really fast and often and I to the point where I was like suspicious and I was like no you're not (laughs) (laughs) you're like no woman's ever done that with me ever I know you're not the first I was like I'm not bad at this but I'm not this good at this oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely had those thoughts too Mikey for sure I'm like we've only been doing this for 24 seconds because I'm counting (laughs) yeah there's no way this is your third yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your self-awareness in that moment. Yeah. Oh, well, and this was like a first time. Like some people you can get like, you know, I'm with you, Paige, like the more communication and feelings and things yeah. like, gets better. Uh, but like a first time and someone's being like all performative, it does freak you out a bit. Yeah. I mean, so she's licking his armpit and then he answers the phone and we find out it's his sister. But she's just like, who the fuck is Annie? And I was just like, dude, you guys just met. Like she is a hefty pile of bonkers. It is nuts. Um, But this is also where he asks about dad and he just says any worse, which gives us a clue as to kind of what we're walking into later. But as he hangs up the phone, the girl on the couch next to him just says, I want you to meet my parents. And even as somebody whose spouse did meet their parents first date, this is nuts. This is way too soon. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. We also find out that closing time is both of their ringtones. Yes. Which I want to know how he found. Oh, you know, Mila Kunis put it on his phone. Like, there's no way he could find that song. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he'd just be like, third eye blind, question mark. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we find out that Mila Kunis and her mom are going to go away to like a lake house and they're going to do marshmallows, campfire, everything. And this is, it's after the fifth date. So they're waking up. She's waking up with the oncologist and trying to get out of the house so she can talk to Justin Timberlake on the phone. And as she goes out to get coffee and comes back, she sees Parker is his name. Uh, Parker's leaving and he was just going to sneak out. And he just says, I don't think I can be your Prince Charming. We should stay friends. Yeah. Dick move. Total dick move. Because he's selling her a bill of goods where he actively pretended and acted like he wanted a relationship the whole time, got the sex he wanted, and then the mm-hmm. next day was just like, no, thank you. We've all I'm been out. there. Ha- have you, Mikey? Uh-huh. Alexa, order tissues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, I'm sorry, I can't cut it. I don't have time to edit this episode. So you know what? Fuck it, leave it in. This is my truth. <laughs> Talk your truth, Mikey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was right there. It was oh, low-hanging fruit. For it. Just go for it. Holy shit, that was amazing. I'm sorry. That's one of the meanest things I've said, and I roasted like three people this week. No, no. Uh, I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> 
as your heart is crying. If she's still listening to this, I mean, she watched, but I'm a cheerleader, right? Put it on inst- put it on her Instagram story. I know, I saw that. Oh, that's right. You follow her on Instagram. Why do you follow everyone? We need to take a pod timeout, and we gotta <laughs> talk about Todd, who follows everyone I date on Instagram, and then periodically, years later, updates me on how their life is going. <laughs> Hey, you know that nurse, Mikey? Yeah, I fucking know that nurse. <laughs> She's doing great. Biblically. Mikey. She's doing great. That's the whole reason I still follow exes and stuff on, on Instagram is to just be like, what are they up to? Is my life still cooler? <laughs> yeah. If, yeah no, if you dated them, Paige, that's fine. But when your podcast co-host, which is what I'm re- regulating you to now. Right? Wow, I'm no longer your friend. <laughs> Alexa, order some chocolates. (laughs) I swear to God, if Alexa sends us tissues to our P.O. box, I'm going to lose our shit. (laughs) Our collective shit, I will lose it for us. If that happens, I'm Team Alexa. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. She's really funny. She probably would do something. Alexa, I'm going (laughs) to, if you listen to the end of the episode, our uh, P.O. box is there. Send Mikey some tissues to the P.O. box. We just we just get a box of tissues and a case of tab. I also want to go, I want to do a disclaimer. Like, these are jokes, and there was no hard feeling. Right, 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 right. As long as you send us a whole case of tab to the post office box. <laughs> Alexa, play Third Eye Blind. <laughs> play Third Eye Blind, closing time. I wish you would step back from <laughs> This is going to be a nightmare to edit. <laughs> Yeah, I need you to take all that and make it not sound offensive to her. No cuts. Let's move on. (laughs) Anyway, she then is talking to Justin Timberlake about it and was like, maybe I fucked up. Maybe I suck in bed. And he's like, you don't. And he's like, maybe he's secretly married. She's like, no, I did a background check. And he's like, did you do one on me? And she's like, yeah, how could you max out an old Navy card? And I'm here to tell you it's because they have low limits. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. I guess I know what credit card you maxed out in college. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so he is going to go away for the weekend to see his dad and his sister. She is going to go with her mom. Uh, He got her a painting from that street artist. Uh, So she gets home and finds a note from her mom that her mom has already gone back to Cleveland. And so she texts him about it and he's like, come to LA. I just bought you a ticket with Miles. Just come with me. Yeah, he does it while he's on the way to the airport talking on the phone with her, which I was like, she's never going to make it in time. Well, yeah, That too. But also yeah. I wasn't aware that smartphones could do that in 2011. I was like, oh damn, I guess you could do that back then. They absolutely could. And I know this because, so my dad used to travel a ton for work and always had buttloads of air miles yeah and right around this time because this was like i had like just moved to la when this movie came out um my dad came to visit we were hanging out he got a text from his brother who's like hey i have tickets to elvis costello tonight and i can't go do you want them the tickets were in oakland back home and my dad within minutes had us on a flight to oakland to go see Elvis Costello and then get back on a flight back to Los Angeles. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> That's so baller. <laughs> it's just I can't wait to have dinner with him in two weeks. I know. I, know. I can't wait either. The 17th, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a plus one. <laughs> Alexa, find Mikey a date. Alexa, order a body pillow. <laughs> I can't bring a body pillow to a restaurant. 
You can if you dress it up. Yeah, but I'll spill food on it. (laughs) (laughs) So we get a montage of L.A. and look at them making L.A. not look like trash. And (laughs) it's difficult, but good filmmakers can do it. They went down the PCB. They did go down the yes. PCH. Yeah. Yes. yes. And and I appreciated they did it in the order from the airport. They actually do it correctly in this movie. Anyway, uh, we find out that his family lives in a house that was owned by their grandfather right on the beach, which, by the way, worth millions of dollars. Yeah. At like bajillions. And we meet his nephew, Sam the Magnificent, who <laughs> is offers to light her cigarette. And she's like, I don't smoke. And he's like. He's a kid. Please play along. So, Paige, did you have some confusing feelings <laughs> in these scenes? For the Why? child magician, Mikey? Is this where you're getting your baby teeth? <laughs> Are you saying that I wanted him to saw me in half? No. I did appreciate when she was just like, just kidding, smoking is great for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the child catches on fire. Um, yes. No, I, I did not have any romantic feelings for his nephew. But call her in twice. 20 years. <laughs> Just call me now. This movie is 10 years old. <laughs> or don't, don't. He probably is like 25 now. We got to measure them shoulders. <laughs> anyway, this is where we meet Jenna Elfman, his sister. Yeah. And I love her in me this. Too. Like, where has she been? I don't know. This is where the movie changes for me. Where like up until this point, I'm like, this movie is a sack of dog shit and I don't care. And now I'm like, now I care. Tell me more. Tell me more about this family dynamic. <laughs> and this is where we find out that his father has Alzheimer's and no longer chooses to wear pants, which good for him. Live your truth. He's at home at this point. I get it. Yeah, who cares? And essentially it's it's getting worse. It's it's going to be something that they're going to have to manage. And it's more difficult with him away on the East Coast. Well, yeah, because it's just her. Like, I'd imagine that yeah. when he was in town, they were sort of tag teaming it. Right. And it wasn't that bad at that point. It's getting worse now. And it's just her there. And she has a son, you know? Yeah. Well, and she's got a little magician. So she, no, no. <laughs> cut but, it. Paige, no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does not meet the shoulder requirements. No. Uh, so Chris Hansen is waiting for you on line one. <laughs> <laughs> what are his shoulders like anyway he shows me lacunas the beach because it's beautiful this house and this beach yeah. is beautiful yeah and then you also will be like hey my family's mega rich yeah well i don't know that they are because they do talk about how their grandfather built it when there was nothing there and they've owned it for a long time so uh but they owned a boat not anymore they sold they the sold, boat well, i mean still that's the happiest day of a boat owner's life selling the boat (laughs) i I would say they're they're definitely wealthy especially because his dad was a famous writer so they're they're comfortable for sure i don't think they're mega rich i think they have equity in that house and that house is worth a lot but that doesn't translate to liquid assets yeah they're house rich but they don't have the money but this is where she gets to know his sister annie and they're going through photo albums and this is where we finally get some characteristics for justin timberlake as a person uh we learned that he liked crisscross he had a stutter and that he can't do math which by the way has not 
impacted his life as an adult up till this point in the movie. And now it is debilitating. It is hilarious how bad he is at math. Like when they're at that <laughs> Hollywood sign and he's like, uh, it's like three of me. So three times six is 93, like, or whatever the number was. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. This is worse than like, I'm bad at math. Like this is worse than me. Like this is bad. Right. Yep. Anyway, as she's looking at the album, she kind of like cracks her neck and he takes that as a signal that they're going to hook up later. So he comes into her bedroom and she's just like, no, I kind of just need you to be my friend right now. And she plays that crisscross song and he knows all the words to it. <laughs> I, I love this scene, though, because he knows all the words, except for as he's like, because he's like dancing around, and he like jumps up on the bed. And as he's getting off the bed, he actually goes, I don't know the words to this part. And then he jumps right back into it. I thought that that was yes. so like charming and endearing. I love that so much. This is where in this scene we are getting Saturday Night Live Justin yes. Timberlake. Yeah. And if we had had that the whole movie, I would have loved this yeah. movie. But we don't. It's not until this point in the movie that we get it. And they basically kind of bond over, you know, the things that she's now learned about him. She's talking about her mom and everything. I do like that. He's like, you ushered me out the door. I barely got to meet her. And she was like, yeah, I was afraid she was going to slip her slip you her number. And he's like, oh, yeah, she put it in my phone under milk. Yeah. <laughs> and then jokes that they they only hooked up like twice, which I thought was really fun. They didn't. But it's a very oh, yeah. funny joke. No, he's just messing with her. Yeah. But they end up kissing and then having sex. But it's like a different, it is very different, at least for one of them, it seems. It seems to be different, at least for one. It seems to be different for both of them. And then one of them denies it later. But JT denies it for the rest of the, well, maybe not the rest of the movie, but for the next 25 minutes of the movie. Right. Now, what I kept thinking during this sex scene was this would be perfect for that what's your number gag with the coins and just like Sam the Magnificent. <laughs> also, if you look closely, he does let her on top for a little bit in this sex scene. Growth. Well, he, <laughs> go to horny jail. <laughs> Is it different than regular jail? <laughs> it's surprisingly less sexual. <laughs> anyway, while they're having sex, his sister trips on the box in the hallway, which wakes Justin Timberlake up because they're just kind of laying there cuddling. He sneaks out. She sees him. I don't think he sees her. And the next morning at breakfast, he and his dad are talking about sports and there's a great running joke it happens like three or four times where they're arguing about a sports thing and then the sister is just like we get it you're guys you like sports you're men you like sports yeah. sports men sports men <laughs> and she's just talking over them doing it <laughs> so they all get ready for breakfast and she's like it's beautiful and they tell her that between the floods and the fires they get 10 good days a year which is a hilarious truth about Los Angeles. <laughs> so this is where we kind of see his dad getting worse because he wants to look at the boat, but then he'll have the boat. But as this is happening, she's definitely taking on more of a, I would say, girlfriend forward role yeah. with Justin mm -hmm. Timberlake. And he's kind of pushing her away. And we cut to him and his nephew, Sammy, on... Uh, jet skis out in the water and his nephew's like I like Jamie she's great and he says don't go casting spells and he's like I'm a magician not a wizard like Harry Potter and then he just says 
you can't deny that going to Hogwarts would be life changing. <laughs> <laughs> I do love his hardcore love for Harry Potter. I also love because he's got we we revealed. I think it was during that montage of them getting to know each other. She has a dog tattoo. There's not a great explanation for it. He has a lightning bolt tattoo because he wanted superpowers. Yes. <laughs> which is simple and hilarious. But I do like that everyone gets his tattoo wrong the rest of the movie. But it, this is one of those moments of them referencing Hogwarts. And Sam says he misses you. Sometimes he calls me Dylan. Yeah. And so it's it's sad. You're And you're kind of guessing that he might eventually have to move home because now he's going to have to choose between her and New York and his family. Yeah. And we cut to them having dinner and he's like, oh, the second he got off the plane, I knew he was going to take the job. It's this whole thing. Yeah. And his dad asks, like, did you buy her an engagement gift? Buy her some jewelry. Your mom loves jewelry. Where is she, by the way? And they have to then tell him that she left 10 years ago. Yeah, she divorced you. It wasn't like she died or something like she left you. Yeah. And he doesn't understand. He wants to try and call her. He ends up standing up and tripping. And it's because he he has Alzheimer's, so he is sundowning. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. more difficult to track, you know, as the day moves on. But this is really kind of throwing into stark contrast. Like his family needs him, clearly. And she's the thing holding him in New York, I think. Oh yeah. Well, and the job. You know, he's got a year contract. Yeah. We cut to the Hollywood sign, and this is where we get the six times three. And he's like 98. And she just says, oh, God, you poor kid. (laughs) So they climb into the letters on the Hollywood sign, even though he tells her they shouldn't. Uh, And he calls it Los Angeles's only landmark aside from the Scientology Center, which, by the way, if anyone from Scientology listening, I believe in the freedom of science fiction. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Oh, so funny. So. They sit in one of the O's and they're talking and they have kind of an argument where she definitely is trying to open up to him, wants him to open up to her, and he doesn't want to. And she kind of confronts him about acting weird. And he's like, is it about the other night? And then a helicopter shows up and he just says, I have a fear of heights and helicopters. They don't make sense to me. (laughs) And he's stuttering and he can't get down from the O. So the helicopter has to lift him from the O. So funny, man. My favorite is when the news report says Hollywood's only real landmark. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how the news footage got a close up of his face, like in the tinfoil blanket. It's so funny. And his sister is like, hey, you're still good to take dad for a week in New York, right? And she kind of keeps asking about Mila Kunis. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mila Kunis is about to be sawed in half by Sam the Magnificent, which I did love when his mom was like, he's not using real saws, is he? And Justin Timberlake goes, of course he is. He's magnificent. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But basically she confronts him of like, why aren't you guys just dating? You're so great together and you're so happy. And then she says, just like that stupid candy corn tattoo you have. And he's like, it's a lightning bolt. (laughs) But this is where he is trying to get his sister off his back. And he's like, I can't date her. She's too fucked up, too damaged. She throws her under the bus to get his sister off his back. And she's hiding inside the like cut a woman in half box, oh, right? I, I cringed so hard. I was like, you definitely overplayed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and she immediately leaves. What a dick. And this is this. Yeah. This is the second place we get the 
you're men, you like sports, you're yeah. men, you like sports. And she interrupts dinner to leave. She's already called a cab. She won't even let him drive her to the airport. And he chases after her, but she's gone and she avoids him. She's not answering his messages, nothing. He ends up, uh, Woody Harrelson asks him to go out for dinner. He chooses not to, but he this is where he kind of gets the advice of like, if you find someone you like, never let him go or her if you're into that creepy shit. <laughs> well, yeah, because he eventually does go to dinner with Woody Harrelson and they had this conversation. Yeah, right. right. I just I love that he was just like her if you're into that creepy shit. <laughs> it just cracks me. It shouldn't be as funny as it is. But right. It is. So we cut to her apartment. Her mom is back playing Wee Pong. Um, her phone rings and her mom's like, oh, it's a booty call. And she's just like, yeah, I'm not. I'm done you know, with I'm, all that. I'm ignoring it. I'm done with it. Yeah. And her mom is just like, well, like, why? Like, you guys seem so good together. And she tells her mom, I keep my worlds apart for a reason. Basically meaning, like, I don't want you in this part of my life. And so her mom kind of walks off and she's like, I'm an asshole. So she then is on a video call. We cut to her on a video call for work. Uh, early Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was probably Skype at the time. It probably was. Yeah. And she's talking to a company that's recruiting that they can't use the name of, but they're quote unquote, the largest seller of purchased goods. I mean, books. Uh, And (laughs) if you can get the art director at GQ to come to us, that'd be great. And she'd be like, that's kind of inappropriate. And he's still under contract. Yeah. And and they're like inappropriate, like paying full price for books at Barnes and Noble. People do crazy shit. And it was at this point that I was like, I forgot. I forgot that Amazon used to just be books. Yeah, that's yeah. how it started out. <laughs> yeah. So he calls her and it goes straight to voicemail. And he's like, she's somewhere out of reception. And the only place in the city that you don't get reception is up on the top of that building. So he goes and finds her there. I love that shot because he calls her, puts his phone down and it goes to like the black you know, screen mm-hmm. and you see the reflection of the building she's on, on the phone. I was like, Oh yeah. man, yeah. the director of cinematography or the actual director did a great job of some, in some of these shots. Mm-hmm. That's a great show. Don't tell move. I loved it. I know. And there's stuff like that, that I'm like, where is this in the first act and a half? Yeah. And I think it's just the script didn't serve it yeah. basically. So they get into a huge argument on the top of this building of him being like, I'm not your boyfriend, I'm your friend. And she's just like, with friends like you, I don't need friends. Like, you're not my friend. Yeah. You just wanted to get in my pants. You just did it differently. And we cut to him watching that Bryce and Madison movie yeah. again. <laughs> and we cut to her, her cell phone rings. And essentially what happens is Amazon went to him directly to have a meeting. Yes. So she confronts him at work. She goes to his office, but he's out at a photo shoot. And one of his coworkers tells her that he's on a photo shoot. Remember that coworker? It's going to be important in fun facts. Uh oh. But she lies to that coworker and says that she's one of the models. Yes. She does. And we see the photo shoot where it's quote unquote unification of all people through sports. And it's just naked dudes with balls covering <laughs> their balls. Yeah. <laughs> and then Justin says, I'm like, come on. On, man he goes all right ladies you can get in there too <laughs> get some girls in there <laughs> that was so funny so she confronts him and she's like so are you gonna leave now because the amazon job it's implied would be in los angeles right and she's like i get screwed if you leave and he's like well, i'll write you a check and she's just like no screw that like fuck it don't even we're done yeah, i don't need your money yeah and he calls his sister to confirm 
what time his dad's getting in and he thinks it's at 3,200 hours. And I'm like, there's 24 hours in a day. You beautiful (laughs) moron. What's going on here? Um, But I also, it really can, uh, having had multiple family members with conditions like this, I can't believe they put him on a plane alone. Yeah. That boggled my mind. I, I don't know why they didn't just have Justin Timberlake fly there for a week. I But whatever. So he's going to pick him up tomorrow. Meanwhile, we cut to Mila Kunis and her mom. And this is where her mom is like, hey, I know that you're looking for romantic love, but you need to really redefine what that is for you. It's not the gestures because those are empty. You want someone to be your partner and take on the world with you. So update your fairy tale, which I think is great advice. And I'm just like, it is. This is perfect. We cut to the airport where they wheel his dad out in a wheelchair. They decide to go get food. His dad takes his pants off in the middle of Daily Grill and snags a table. And Justin Timberlake, instead of being embarrassed, decides to do it along with him. I wish we had had more of a buildup for him being embarrassed of his dad's condition. We only get that one comment about it. But I feel like that would have been a much more powerful scene if we had a little bit more behind it. Anyway, they end up sitting down to have food and his dad thinks he recognizes a woman in the airport and calls her Didi, which is like the second or third time he's recognized somebody as Didi. Man, I thought for a second we were going to find out that Mila Kunis' mom was Didi and that I Mila Kunis so might have been his steps or half sister. And I was like, no, oh my God. that would be. But think about it, Mikey. If that had happened, this would have been my remember me. <laughs> 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 like if that's the final shot is them realizing they're they're related. Oh. And then the camera pulls all the way out and it's just a porno set. Oh, I don't like any of this. Yeah. Anyway, we re- we we reveal that Dee Dee was a woman he fell in love with in the Navy and they break up. He didn't fight to get her back. And then he thinks it impacted his whole life where he he never loved anyone as much as her and it impacted his marriage later. He thinks that's why mom left. And he basically in a moment of lucidity is like, if she's the one fight for her, yeah. fix it. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, did Annie put you up to this? And he's like, who's Annie? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a joke. It is a joke, but it's very funny. And as they leave to try and get home, they run into Sean White in the airport. Oh, my God. He's super nice to the dad. I love this. Yes. Yes. And it's just violent with Justin Timberlake. And at at this point, we find out that he had wanted to hook up with Jamie and couldn't. And that's part of why they're so violent. And he's going to, like, make him into soup. It's like this whole weird thing. And then he tucks part of his hair behind his ear. (laughs) <laughs> it's very just the the violent interactions between the two of them is great uh traffic is terrible they're not going to make it to the city in time so who do they call with a boat and it's a chris craft 1937 that's what it is yeah um, so they get into the city he leaves his dad at home with his neighbor dave who is watching him but just is like hi mr harper <laughs> how are you i loved how the dad goes and now we know why you're here <laughs> yeah. yeah so funny so she gets to grand central station thinking that she's meeting her mom Re- like surprise her mom's not there her mom's about to have a very romantic evening with whoever is wearing those boxers behind her over her shoulder but instead what she sees is a crisscross flash mob 
that then devolves into closing time and he's yelling. He's like, it's semi-sonic, not third eye blind. She's like, Can I you know, you it? idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, you wanted your life to be like a movie, so I made sure to do this at the real Grand Central instead of the one in Los Angeles that they <laughs> used to make it look like it. And he basically tells her, like, I messed up. I was scared. But every day I go through my day thinking I can't wait to tell Jamie about this. And every time I hear about a kid being cured of cancer, I hope it's not by that guy. Like, I'm glad they're cured. I just wish someone else did it. (laughs) And he does this like, we're all damaged. Maybe we were just dating the wrong people. Will you be my best friend again? And he says, I can live without having sex with you. It'd be really hard. But I want my best friend back because I'm in love with her. Yeah. And they kiss in front of all those people. She tells them they can all go home now. And they decide that they're going to have their first date where they play Soul Sister specifically. And they walk past a horse and carriage. And she's like, is that for me? And he's like, no, that I, I'm sorry. And she's like, good, because horses scare the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> they get to a diner and it seems like they're having small talk. But then they just say, fuck it. And start, we assume it, we are led to believe they have sex on the table. Right. But it cuts that. away. I mean, but you know. I don't think it happens. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about it, what do you guys think about Friends with Benefits? I like the back half of this movie infinitely more than the front half. Yeah. I do think you're right. You could cut 20 minutes out of the setup and not lose the important stuff from the setup. At that point, it's a much better movie because it's paced better. And then you get yeah. to the emotional stuff, like getting to know the characters on that level much faster. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's not the first time that I've gotten to know something and, and spent another night with it because the back half is so good. <laughs> no, I think this movie, despite its unevenness, is pretty charming. It is pretty charming. Yeah. It, I think it is very watchable in my book because it's funny where it needs to be funny. And then it sort of hits you with some emotional weight towards the end. I think it's fine. It's not one I'll revisit, but I'm not mad I watched yeah. it. And it's honestly much better than I thought it would be. I would say it's about as good as I expected. Oh, yeah. But I was not expecting much. So, you know, yeah, whatever. I thought this was going to oh. be terrible. <laughs> Bring it on down to Omeletteville. You forgot about, about Omeletteville, and that's why you thought it was going to be terrible. That's where I fucked up, Paige. You were right. Do you guys mm-hmm. think they're still together? I-, I feel like they could be. Yeah. I- I'm going to go ahead and say probably. Yeah. At least the movie took place over a long period of time. Yeah, I do think they are very, very close, and they have built like a pretty solid foundation, I think. Although it, I feel weird saying that because it really it's is. They've just been dating for a long time at the point that yeah. they start dating in the movie, quote unquote, because when they yeah. were just being friends, they were really they were dating that whole time. That whole time. Yeah. yeah. The whole time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. I think they could be. Yeah. I also like I would have been fine if at that Grand Central Station bit like he had been like, I just want my best friend back. I'm so sorry. Like and they just didn't have a romantic relationship and they were just friends again. I'd be fine with that, too. Uh, See, the thing is, is that they were never just friends. That's the whole point of the movie. No, you're right. You just label something different. So you feel comfortable into it. Alexa, order some (laughs) self-awareness. I was going to say, I don't know why you're looking at me. I definitely did not do that. Just one case. Camera. <laughs> but Paige, do you want to get into your fun facts? Yeah, let's get into fun so facts. So hit us with those fun facts. Justin, fun facts. <laughs> I love it. So uh, art directors at magazines would typically make between 80 and 100K, but since it is GQ, it ain't just any magazine. Right. I would say double it. I think he's making at least two 200K. 
I bet he's making close to it. I would say high, you know, 100s. Yeah, and I would say if he's not making high 100s, it's only because they're providing his housing. Sure. And and that's offsetting that cost or something. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, buying something is always going to be cheaper than renting right, something. Right, and right. you are in New York. So that means renting is at a high, high premium. I think minimum it's costing them 100 grand a year to rent it unless they have some sort of block deal. But- Let's say, for argument's sake, that he owns that apartment. Uh, similar apartments in Brooklyn go for 1.3 to 2.1 million. And again, that's in Brooklyn. It is implied that he is closer to downtown, yeah. which would bring that price up considerably, probably closer to 5 million. Um, but for argument's sake, let's say it's in Brooklyn. Uh, in Greenpoint and he's making that 200k he would have had to have had a substantial signing bonus or down payment to afford that apartment to buy it but let's say he owned a place in Los Angeles sold it used that money or had a signing bonus with enough of a down payment it is possible that he would have been able to purchase that house and would be paying a mortgage that would be enough for him to pay month to month or it is corporate housing yeah I would say if he buys it, he's looking at about five grand a month, which which on 200K is manageable. Although I would say it's it's pushing it. But yeah, I guess you could do it. it, but that's pushing it. Yeah. Now let's talk about Mila Kunis. So she's a talent acquisition specialist or a headhunter. And she's recruiting at the executive level, yeah. which means that she is also likely pulling in a minimum of 100K, probably 150, maybe even more. Oh, wow. I'm sure that position is somewhat commission based, too. So she's really good. And yes. it seems like she is really good. I bet she makes really good money. Depending on how you do it. So you have options when you're a talent acquisition specialist. You can work for a recruiting agency, which it seems like she is. And yes, then you would have commission as part of your payment. You could also potentially be working for a company. So like she could be working for GQ's parent company. And then it's not as commission based, but your salary is probably higher. So she is potentially, I would say she's making at least mid 100s, if not a little bit more. And let's say that she also lives in Brooklyn. Uh, a spacious one bed, one bath, which is what it looks like she has. Yeah. She'd be paying close to 2K, maybe a little bit more, but that's well within her budget. Oh, yeah. So oddly enough, they can probably both afford where they live. Oh, nice. So when Mila Kunis in the beginning of the movie is changing in the backseat of a taxi, they had originally cast a taxi driver, but they didn't think he sounded like an authentic New York taxi driver. So they had Mila Kunis's father dub his voice over it. What? Her father used to be a taxi driver when he first moved to the United States, and he still has a Ukrainian accent. So they dub his voice over that guy's voice. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, She also used a butt double. I knew it. (laughs) For the one scene where she, where we see a full backle shot of her. Yeah. Despite the fact that she appears semi-nude in side views the whole movie and doesn't have a double. So anyway, we know that Justin Timberlake has a lightning bolt tattoo or his character does. But what you may not have noticed is that Mila Kunis's character wears a lightning bolt necklace the whole movie. I didn't notice that. Yeah, except for the one scene where they're fighting. She's not wearing it. And as you mentioned, when playing basketball, Woody Harrelson is shown dunking and it's specifically a nod to white men can't jump. I love it. When Mila Kunis goes to pick up Justin Timberlake from the airport, she's holding, she takes a sign from somebody to make her own sign. The sign she takes says, oh, Pendergast, which is 
short for Olive Pendergast, the role that Emma Stone plays in Easy A the year before. Awesome. Uh, Jason Segel and Rashida Jones are technically uncredited in this movie, but to make sure that you can still tell it's them, their real names can be seen on the cover of the DVD next to the TV Uh, when they're watching (laughs) it. That's awesome. I I wonder why they didn't give them, like, credits. I don't know. I think it reminded me of that there's an Office episode where Cloris Leachman and Jack Black are in a fake movie that they keep watching throughout the episode. And and if I remember correctly, I think they're uncredited in that, too. Wow, okay. Um, Sometimes they do it just for fun to preserve, like, the, you know, magic of the fake movie. Uh, Now, let's talk about No Strings Attached a little bit. Okay. So Ashton Kutcher, who is in No Strings Attached, is married to Mila Kunis, and they have children together. Yes. And they attempted to originally have a No Strings Attached relationship, but ended up falling in love right after they made these movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. Now, No Strings Attached is also the name of one of NSYNC's best-selling albums. <laughs> yeah, that's the one with Bye 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 on it. Yeah, that is the one with Bye 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 I on it. I may have been a very big fan of theirs. I I definitely <laughs> saw the very next tour, the celebrity tour. Nice, okay. So, I feel you. Now, do you remember the co-worker that I pointed yes. out? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that is a woman named Catherine Reitman. Her father, Ivan Reitman directed no strings attached what what but you may know her better as her role on always sunny maureen ponderosa yes yeah it's all connected it is it's all interconnected just charlie day with the red yarn (laughs) anyway those are our fun facts he's connecting it with red strings attached (laughs) yes yes red strings attached Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. That was truly amazing. Let's talk some box office. So this movie came out in 2011. And what do you think the budget for Friends with Benefits was? This is Rock Your Body era Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I imagine he was expansive. So I'm going to say this cost $40 Okay. What do you think, Mikey? $30. Oh, man. You guys are literally on either side of it. It was $35 million. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it came out July 22nd, 2011, and it was third at the box office. It was beat by Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, that's what I was seeing in theaters that weekend. (laughs) Honestly, same. And then the second movie that weekend was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was also seeing that that weekend. Uh, and then Friends with Benefits is number three. Uh, number four was Transformers Dark of the Moon. And number five was Horrible Bosses. I see. I also saw Horrible Bosses that yeah, weekend. Yeah, I saw every one of those movies except for Transformers. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see Transformers. I'm curious, was No Strings Attached out already or did it come out after? Okay, so some No Strings Attached fun facts are coming. But yes. I'll, I'll just tell you it was before. No Strings Attached okay. was before this. Ah. Okay. Yeah, this okay. was July. Okay. That was January. Okay. Okay. So it was like six months. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that. So remember, Friends with Benefits was number three at the box office the weekend it came out. What do you think it made that weekend? And again, it was July 22nd, 2011. I feel like it, this sounds terrible. It can't be that much, not because it's doing badly, but because of what's in front of it. Yeah. Uh, in slots one and two. I'm going to say at best this made six million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? On opening weekend. Opening weekend, baby. 
This movie was big. I'm going to say $15 million. All right. You're both a little low. It was $18.6 million. Ah. And it was number three. Guys, okay. So Captain America, the first Avenger, it was its first weekend out. It made $65 million. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, it was his second weekend out, and it made $47.4 million. This one was a distant third, but still made 18, which is not bad. Well, I, here's the thing, and I mean, this was long enough ago, and now Marvel movies are the norm, but they weren't at the time. Like, we had Iron Man, yep. and then Captain America was kind of like the first big one yeah. after that. And I remember seeing the trailer, everybody was getting juicy for Chris Evans coming out of that pod. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was there, Cinerama Dome, first weekend, 3D glasses, ready for that shit. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't surprise me that it blew it out of the water. No, but, no, not at all. Yeah. And the same for Harry Potter. You know, that was the last yeah. Harry Potter. So, like, everyone was seeing that. I, fun fact, I was watching that movie when the cops got called on me. In the theater. <laughs> oh, God, oh, that's right. Yeah, I told oh, that God, story. Um, so, okay, what do you think Friends with Benefits went on to make domestically in the box office? This was big. I bet it made its budget back at least. I'm going to say it tops out around $70 million. Okay. Uh, 65. All right. It made 55.8 domestically, but it made another 90.7 internationally. Damn! So it, Holy shit! Yeah, so it made $146.5 okay. million dollars which is a uh, quite a bit of money and then went on in the home market which is like dvd and blu-ray sales it went on to make 30.4 million dollars so it made a lot of money now just for funsies let's talk about no strings attached so no strings attached came out a few months before in january it came out january 22nd uh and it was number one the weekend it came out because it opened against green hornet the dilemma King's Speech had been out for nine weeks, but that was number four. And True Grit had been out for five weeks, and that was number five. So it did not open to a very strong field like Friends yeah. of Benefits did. And it did a little bit better. It did $19.6 million its opening mm -hmm. weekend and then went on to make 70.6 domestically. So better than No Strings Attached domestically. Internationally, it did a little bit worse at $78.5 million for a total of $149 million, which is... So it loses by $1 million? No, it, so it wins by okay. about $3 million okay. in its box office performance, but it gets crushed by Friends with Benefits in its home market. Friends with Benefits made over $30 million in the home market, and No Strings Attached only made sixteen point seven in home market. Do you know why? Because I actually know oh, why. Oh, no shit. I don't know why. Why is that? Because this is how I saw No Strings Attached. Okay. Netflix was new. Netflix streaming was new yeah. at the time. It was. It's only two years out or so from mailing discs back in. And Friends with Benefits was one of the first streaming, like, that was one of the few rom-coms you could stream sure. at the okay. time oh. on Netflix. And so then people would like stream it if you didn't see it in the theaters and then people went out and actually bought DVDs because people that's what people would do is yeah. like you'd watch it on Netflix. And if you liked it, you'd go buy the DVD because you didn't assume that it'd be streaming forever because Netflix used to cycle through movies a lot faster than they do now. And that's how I remember because it was the ad on Netflix forever. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's why that's why I remember like every Tuesday night at midnight in college. My roommate and I would go to Walmart because that's when they would put up yeah, their new put DVDs. Up the new movies. Yeah. yeah, so we would buy like it was around this time. We would like go buy DVDs at Tuesday at midnight. Every Tuesday, we would buy a new DVD. 
So yeah, that makes sense. All right. So that's your box office and a little bit of a bonus box office for the no strings attached episode that we're going to do probably in like three years when we get around to that, (laughs) (laughs) when we get around to that one. But, uh, oh yeah. So this week I made you guys watch friends with benefits. Mikey, sorry, we had to skip you, but you know, someone took a vacation or whatever. So what is vacation Mikey going to make us watch next week? So I I put a lot of thought into this. Oh, did you? Nice. For this, the rest of the summer. It's a nice change of pace. For the rest of the summer, I'm only going to pick. We're going to go on Mikey's time travel summer romantic adventure. Oh, I love I <laughs> no, love everything no. about this. <laughs> Can I opt out? Oh, no. <laughs> no, you can't. And that's the best part for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. If it's anything like Mannequin, I- I'm here. I'm so in the, it. The I'm first in it movie you. we're going to watch is The Time Traveler's Wife. No! <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this movie. I'm going to cry forever. Oh, is it a sad movie? Oh, no. It's so fucking sad. Oh, no, Mikey. (laughs) I love (laughs) We're both complaining and Mikey is laughing evil, like, maniacally. I I have, like, six time travel related picks lined up. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know how much I love time travel and Terminator and head injuries. So So we're going to go. This will be sad, but also really creepy. And then we'll go to like a weirder, also creepy. All right. Well, and it's it's actually viewable right now on Netflix. So that makes it really easy. So thank you for that. So your mm-hmm. homework for next week is to utilize and or get wine drunk while signing up for Netflix and watch the time traveler's wife. Oh, man. All right. I definitely hope the time traveler does not go back in time and meet his wife as a child and like make it really awkward. You would be wrong, sir. Oh, God, God, I hate everything about this already. (laughs) It's going to be so funny to talk about. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yeah. Turd Herder, one, two, three. (laughs) Was the review from Turd Herder? (laughs) One, two, three. Because Turd Herder on its own was taken. <laughs> taken. There's 122 other Turd Herders. It's a family name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one does not attack you. Well, that's a step up from the Horror Virgin review. Thank you. Turd Herder says, this pod completes me. Oh, the title. I love this podcast. While cleaning septic tanks, I listen to... <laughs> it's just Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. <laughs> The hosts have great chemistry, so the vibe is awesome. Yeah. The fact that they notice the little weird things in a movie is perfection. Every episode has me laughing to tears. I also appreciate Paige's taste in men, cuz same girl. Oh, two magician lovers out there. I like it. (laughs) Yes. No. It's it's wide-shouldered, burly men. Yes. That love to yell, ta-da. All right, turn herder. I need at least a 57-inch shoulder span. (laughs) Well, turn herder, get out your tape measure. And thank you so much for leaving us that awesome five-star review. We really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin, and that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on, but Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So, guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at 
Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. Now, Mikey. And I am Todd. And you complete us. To completion. Toodle pip. <laughs> Isn't that semi-sonic? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Closing time. <laughs> Turning <laughs> off the podcast so you can drive to work. Hey, there's your kitty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a pretty. McCready ran up right behind you while you were saying it was adorable. All right, bye! Oh.